Hi, this is James Chow. And this is Hannah Gitahoon. And you're listening to Beach Weekly, a news podcast from the Daily 49er at Long Beach State. Beach Weekly! In the most recent ASIT, a resolution that would allow Lobby Corps to campaign several bills was passed for its second reading. What was most controversial is that one of those bills that would be lobbied for is Senate Bill 24, which would allow UCs and CSUs to provide medically induced abortions by 2023. Now, our beat reporter, Perry Continente, is on the story, and he gave us all the juicy details last week, so I would have to ask you, what's new? Well, it passed again, and there was a fair amount of discussion, but the biggest difference was the attendance. Usually at the ASI meetings, there is nobody there. And this is the first time there are about 18 seats in the front, and they had to bring in more seats for the people who came in. There were a series of mostly pro-choice activists, but there was also a pro-life contingent. What kind of arguments were being presented on both sides? Well, the pro-choice people were mostly talking about accessibility and pointing out how for a lot of people it is difficult to go to a clinic to get an abortion or uh, care in general, and how having the service provided on campus would allow more access to it. The pro-life people were talking about how killing babies is murder and how this is school-sponsored murder. And if this does become school-sponsored, does ASI have any idea of how they would bring about these medically induced abortions like would this be through the student health services or the bill senate bill 24 does uh, specifically say that it would be through the student health programs and it would not be implemented until 2023 so there would be a long period of time to get everything implemented because i do know that the health center has mentioned that they do not have the training or the equipment to carry this out as of now you talked about in the last podcast about how this bill would be funded if it were passed in the assembly? Yeah, it would be government funded. It would not come from our student fees. Did any of the activists or people against it kind of stand out to you when you were interviewing them? Yes. Uh, Yeah, Mr. His last name was Constable. I spoke to him after and he was coming from a place of faith in his uh, opposition for the bill. He was the most vocal of the pro-life supporters. And a lot of what he had to say was impassioned. There was a Miss Jessie Rosales of the Women's Foundation of California, and she was very eloquent in her support for the bill. And a lot of what she had to say was very well reasoned, very well thought out. She was a major force in the pro-choice side of things. Was there more representation for the pro-choice side or pro-life? Oh, pro-choice by a mile. There were only two people there who spoke who were pro-life, and I would say there were about eight to ten who spoke who were pro-choice. So it was a very small contingent of pro-life people. Okay. But that might have had something to do with the fact that I think it was organized by women's club on campus to, Mm -hmm. like, go to the meeting. So that might have had something to do with... Oh, yeah, definitely. The, the women's club mobilizing to go to the meeting did have an effect, but, I mean, there was no opposite force that mobilized. So I think that that does kind of speak to the uh, political demographics of the campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of the kind of ideas that the different groups on campus, you know, pro-life and pro-choice have. Mm-hmm. What, what did the senators think about this bill? There were a few that were slightly hesitant, but... Overall, there was a fair amount of support for the bill on the part of the senators. Senator Fukuda 
in particular spoke out in favor of it. She compared it to a vaccine drive, where she said that there are people on campus who are anti-vax, but that doesn't mean the campus still doesn't provide, you know, vaccine drives, flu shots. And so she equated that with abortion, where even if you are against it, you can simply not take part. And that seemed to be kind of the resounding conclusion from most of them. It ultimately did pass with 13 votes in favor. So that's a, a pretty healthy majority of the Senate. So you said that there were three votes and this was the second one. Yes. So if the third one passes, the Joint Committee will essentially endorse the Senate bill. It will allow Lobby Corps to endorse the Senate bill and to lobby for it. It's wrapped up with a bunch of other bills that deal with other things that affect students. SB 24 is the only one that is drawing significant debate and concern, I think because abortion is such a divisive issue. Mm-hmm, definitely. And you mentioned uh, there's an overwhelming amount of pro-choice activists at mm-hmm. the meeting. Did they have like a rallying cry like before heading over? Did they have, hold any signs or anything? There were signs. There were uh, a few of them were wearing shirts that said, this is what a feminist looks like. There were signs that said things like protect women's reproductive rights. And so there definitely was a force there. They were handing out stickers. Before they went in, they kind of all took a picture and said accessibility, which did seem to be the rallying cry for them about, you know, having a safe place to receive the procedure. I wanted to ask as well, you did talk to some of the women before you went into the meeting. I wanted to ask maybe some of the things that they had said before they went in, you know, why they decided to come out, support, and like some of their personal feelings about the bill. You could tell that the issue was very near and dear to them. Most of them kind of kept to themselves. There was a a little bit of, I don't want to say distrust of the press, but there was a hesitation to talk, which I understand. It's a very, very personal issue. It it is something that is gets emotions going. And uh, I, I did notice that when they were they were discussing leaving, they had a buddy system. So in case that the pro life people wanted to like accost them, they were leaving in pairs. It was all planned out like that. Okay. Are the pro-life people generally hostile, or was it just... The pro-life people were very non-confrontational at this event. They did not raise their voices. They did not chant anything or physically impede. So it was very, for a debate about abortion, it was very respectful. I feel that more people probably show up just thinking about it now, because... The word spreading about it, because mm-hmm. I assume the first meeting, no there, one had any no... idea about it. Probably read your story and they're like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I read the agendas every week before I go, and it was just on the agenda as reading Senate bills, so I had no idea yeah. that this was going to happen. And then that ended up being the whole focus of the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens next week. Probably yep. going to pass. It looks like it's going yeah. to pass. I mean, But we'll see if, you know, we get more angry people my feeling is that it's going to pass the uh, number of senators who were still hesitant is very low there seems to be a general consensus that they are behind this Lights. Camera. Action. California Repertory of the Theater Arts Department has a new show out called Cabaret, 
As of the recording of this episode, the show has yet to premiere, yet it has already sold out its first two days. Our Arts and Life editor, Rachel Barnes, was able to go behind the scenes of one of the cabaret rehearsals. So what's the buzz about it, and what's the show about? The show is set in a nightclub, and it follows a love triangle in Berlin in the 1930s, all while Nazis are rising up around them. It's very gritty and passionate and has a lot of good themes and messages. So kind of tell us the process that the performers have to undergo to prepare for the show. From what they told me, it was a really long process. It seemed long to me, but it didn't seem long to them. They had since the beginning of December last year to prepare from what I heard from every single one of them. Like time is always fleeting and you think you have all this time to prepare something and make it perfect for people to watch, but no matter how much you go through it, you're never going to think that anything's perfect and you're always going to want to improve something. And with the production spanning across nearly three months, other than time, what kind of obstacles did the performers have to physically go through for this? I spoke to Natalie Morales. She's the set designer. And she said that they were a little short on labor And so she spent two weeks painting the floor of the cabaret set of bricks, just like all by herself. And that was one of the struggles that she had to go through. So you went backstage and saw everyone getting ready because you went behind the scenes Mm -hmm. on this. So in your article, you mentioned how the directors of the program wanted to capture, and I quote, the grit and the danger of the dancers in the nightclub. So did they have like an extensive makeup session like when you went? I was interviewing for a portion of it, but I did get to go see a few of them get their makeup done. I saw a specific actor named Jared uh, finish up his makeup. His eyebrows were glued down and they were so pencil thin and it looked really cool. He had like black smudges around his eyes. The makeup team was rushing around trying to get everybody to the last dress rehearsal on time. So it was, it was a little chaotic, but they got it done. So what's the significance of this play? Why is it being told now? Is there kind of a cultural impact? Is it because of like the political climate that's happening? When I spoke to the director, whose name is Carrie Hayter, she wanted to make sure that she captured the messages in the play. She says that she wanted to capture like that everybody's trapped and that the political climate then was very dangerous. And she likened it to the political climate now because it is dangerous and she wants the audience to be able to connect with their lives and the current political climate. What was your favorite part in the play? Like what struck you the most? I think what really resonates with me throughout Cabaret is it captures passion and like the dirty side of love really well and I look forward to seeing that part every time I watch it. So were you able to kind of see people in those kind of vocal warm-up situations preparing for the play, the musical Uh play? I did see the girl who plays Sally walk around before the show, um, do her sound check, uh, warm up her voice a little bit. It was really cool to see. The piano was playing the whole time. It was cool. This episode is sponsored by CSULB Theater Arts Department for musical play Cabaret. Join us and the CSULB Theater Arts Department for Cabaret. Spend the night in a dark and tumultuous nightclub full of romance, violence, and music. 
Set in 1920s Berlin, this iconic musical holds a mirror up to our time. Cabaret runs from February 21st to March 3rd. Cabaret is selling fast, so get your tickets at calrep.org. See you at the theater. So earlier this February, Long Beach State's construction management team placed in a student construction competition in Nevada. It was called the Associate Schools of Construction Student Competition, and our writer, Saad Kazi, covered this. So I wanted to ask, why was this a big deal? Yeah, so it was the ASC uh, student competition. Uh, Long Beach State's construction management uh, team participates in it uh, every so often. And yeah, it was such a big deal because it was such a hard task to accomplish. Uh, there was, you know, national universities, you know, big names, Cal Poly Slow, Boise State, Virginia Tech. So to, to beat out some of those universities, obviously it takes a lot of practice on the team members' parts and, you know, a lot of dedicated staff. So we placed third, correct? Yeah, third in the concrete solutions category. Okay, who beat us out? Boise State and Cal Poly Slow. Okay, and what did the competition entail? What did they have to do in the construction track? So the team was provided a certain problem, a certain construction problem, you know, real life scenario, something like fix this, make this more efficient, and the team was supposed to provide a budget, safety plan, logistics, and a 3D model to the judges to create more uh, efficient ways to solve the problem. Again, Dennis Anguile, one of the team members, who's telling me about how their uh, dedication and hard work, their many hardworking nights, really, you know, their meetings and practices all led up to where they can really do a great job at this task. Looking at these quotes, it sounds like the coach as well, he thought that this was a pretty big deal. Yeah, uh, I reached out to Dr. Tariq Shihab, one of the construction management professors. Yeah, he was the faculty coach on the team. Uh, He said it was a great achievement, pretty big deal. Again, dedicated team members and vice versa. They wouldn't have done it without him. So shout out to Dr. Tariq Shihab on that. And... Are they planning on going back? Is this something? Because, I don't know, is it an annual thing? Or do we just kind of go a couple times or whenever we feel like competing? Or is this something that we're dedicated to going to every year? Yeah, so the Associate Schools of Construction competition, I'm sure it's a regular yearly competition. I mean, this one in particular was a 2019. Yeah, I mean, if it's an annual competition, I would hope CSULB is going to participate next year as well. Is there other tracks? Is there other competitions? Because this is the Concrete Solutions Mm -hmm. competition. So I was just wondering, like, in this particular competition, there's other categories. Right, right. There are. There are other categories. It's actually, I mean, again, it's a big event where there's so many national universities that are all the same teams, construction management, and it's just a variety of different tasks to accomplish and a whole a whole competition a whole student competition where where students from around the country can come and deliver their expertise what they've learned in class to the real world you know not uh, just taking Long Beach State's team for example most of the team members had little to no industry experience 
and to come out and get third place in concrete solutions category i mean it, it really is a big thing for the students individually i mean it really you know imagine going out there and performing that well you know now you're thinking hey i actually learned a lot in the classroom imagine when i graduate now my employers are going to see this you know they're really going to see this as more than some kind of internship or classroom experience they're going to see this as an actual real life accomplishment and that's a podcast yay yay <laughs>